0: Episode 7. Hello, I'm your host, Mary Lee, and you are listening to Unfacts. For this episode, I invite you, the listeners, to insert yourself into the story. Now, just go with it. You'll understand why. Think back to a time in your life growing up when you were spending time with a parent or relative, either cooking or baking. Time you spent together in the kitchen. Maybe it was in your own house growing up or grandma's house. Just close your eyes for a second as you recall back to an occasion and try to remember with all the senses. The smell of the baking, the taste, the touch. What are the sounds in the room that you are recalling right now? Is it clanking pots and pans, butter melting on a hot stove, an electric mixer? Where are you in that moment? What does the room look like? Now try to remember a conversation or perhaps a story told by a person that you are with in this memory right now. What are you talking about? Maybe a parent is teaching you how to crack eggs on the side of the glass bowl in such a way that you don't get the shells in the mix. Maybe grandma is showing you how to sift flour for pastry. Maybe an uncle is showing you the trick to a great Caesar salad dressing. What emotions are you feeling right now? Are you smiling as you recall the stories? And do you have a way of retrieving these stories or documenting the instructions that are being given to you while you're cooking or baking? These are the stories that Sky Bergman reminisces about, the memories of cooking with her Italian grandmother. Storytelling through seniors is her passion and is what led her to the creation of her film, Lives Well-Lived. In this episode, I sit down with a filmmaker, director, and educator to talk about the importance of connecting with our most senior generation and why intergenerational storytelling is valuable for mental well-being. Not just the elderly, but for our younger and more vulnerable age group, the youth. The COVID pandemic has had a tumultuous impact on mental health. The lonely are feeling lonelier with the loss of human connection. The emotional heartache is being felt far heavier as social interactions are few and far between. But the pandemic need not cause a great divide. In fact, it has opened up the playing field for better, more advanced and readily available opportunities connect. Reframe the situation from being limited to limitless and the possibilities that are now available to reach out to friends, old and new, and to form a virtual bond that can bridge time and space and bring so much abundance to our mindset and our curiosity. Happiness is a choice if you choose to take the moment to find yourself and others and in so doing, nurturing our basic human instincts to be the social creatures that we're wired to be. And what better time than now, a month focused on relationships, kindness and love. can't tell you how excited and eager i am to talk about your film and it's and then i read the article in circle mm-hmm. what a great article first of all that whole uh, concept of circle connecting intergenerational connections matching a younger generation with an older generation to share and learn fabulous idea
1: yeah absolutely well we've been doing that with the film too you know we've been Doing that in universities and high schools where we show the film uh, to elders and to students and then we pair them up and have them work together through a semester or a quarter and then do a big um, wrap party at the end of the quarter of the semester with what they've learned. So they use the questions that I formulated for the Lives Will Live film because I think the hardest thing is when you meet somebody what questions do you ask them? And if you just put two people in a room and say, okay, learn something about each other, it's a little harder. So having Mm. this framework to get that conversation going, I think is what we've been able to provide. And, um, and then that, you know, we just let it go from there. And it's really, it's so lovely and heartwarming to hear the great stories that come out of those questions. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In our school district, I work with the uh, school district here in my, in my town, and they have intergenerational activities. Quite often, students mm-hmm. will link up with either a senior's residence home. You know, and I, I've been out there to film it and take pictures and see the joy on both the faces of these young you know, grade five students with the seniors. Yeah. It, that bond is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, really Yeah, I'd ask these young girls and boys, I said, uh, what did you learn? And they would talk about what, again, storytelling, something would stick, either um, serving their country at war, for example. And Mm -hmm. these are only things that kids can imagine through watching movies and television yeah. and reading in books or seeing on the internet they don't understand right until the
1: end. and that first-hand account is something that's so different i think you know when you hear that first-hand account it just changes um i don't know it just changes the way that that we understand an event and you know it's just yeah it's it's pretty amazing that's my love is making those connections happen <laughs>
0: connections yeah making connections through storytelling Beautiful. I always been asking a lot of the women entrepreneurs that I've been having on the podcast the same question, because this is what really opens up the door to tell their backstory. And so, um, of course, you, like many other women I have met, uh, have the strong entrepreneurial spirit to thrive. And um, again, COVID-19 was a year of facing worries and fears. And the, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Can I still continue with my passion, with my business? So how did you overcome that most challenging year that we have ever met in our history to yeah. keep moving forward to ensure not only your success um, in your professional endeavors, but personally?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I think, you know, for everyone this year has been incredibly challenging. I'm lucky because I like to say that I have a day job, I teach and so my job was pretty secure even in the midst of this pandemic. I think the hardest thing for me was to um, transition to teaching all online and still do the kind of job that I really wanted to do for my students. So I put a lot of effort into doing that, um, bringing in a lot of of external people to talk because people had time. I mean, you know, I I like to look at um, this moment as Uh, an opportunity rather than a challenge. And so thinking about, well, how can I reframe what I was doing before the pandemic? I was doing a lot of screenings and talks with the film. And I realized very early on, because I have relatives that live in Italy and they pretty much told me back in February, you have no idea what you're in for and you better get ready for this ride. And so I, once things started evolving here in the US, I realized we are going to lock down pretty quickly. And so at all these screenings that were lined up, I emailed all those people right away and said, look, I'm not com- going anywhere in person, you know, for the foreseeable future, but I'm happy to work with you on doing a virtual screening. And I figured out a way to make that happen. And um, and to do it actually allowed me to do more screenings and to do more Q&As because I didn't have to travel anywhere and I could do it right from my home. And so in many ways, it opened up opportunities that might not have happened otherwise. So again, I think the you know, it reminds me of um, Evie Justison from my film says, uh, and I think she got this from Viktor Frankl from his Man's Search for Meaning, that, um, you know, the, there are many times in your life that you can't control the things that are happening around you, which none of us can control the fact that we are in the midst of a pandemic. But what we can control is our attitude about how we deal with that. And so I just thought, okay, how can I repurpose, reframe, and um, try and do the best that I can given the situation that I have and make it the most positive experience, not just for me, but also for other people, um, as, you know, especially with the film and still being able to experience the film and then having this collective experience of doing this Q&A. And I don't think we will ever go back to the way that it was. I mean, I was talking mm-hmm. to one person at my alma mater, I did a a really special screening at University of South Florida. That's where I went to undergraduate school. And we'd been planning this thing for months because they wanted to bring me back as the alumni turned good, you know, and everything. They really wanted me to go there in person. And when we realized this isn't gonna happen in person, we need to do it online. We got so many more people that actually attended because it was online. And when we had a kind of wrap conversation at the very end of it, they said, you know, we realized that now going forward, we will forever have to have this virtual component to whatever we do in addition to the in-person because so many more people can access what we're doing.
0: I was listening to a gentleman give a, a talk just yesterday and his, I loved his definition of opportunity. Never heard it framed that way before, but opportunity he now realized through his life journey was to become aware and awake.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in so many ways, The pandemic year has woken us up necessity to connect and the virtual platform that we have in our digital era has afforded us so much more opportunity to make connections i like that you said evie jefferson did you say from your film yeah Mm -hmm. again so she gave a valuable lesson some sage advice Mm -hmm. which is all about your film i'd like to segue into that It's a great opportunity to talk about your film, Lives Well Lived, and how we are learning from the older generation, specifically 75 years of age to 100. Incredible. Mm -hmm. And the lessons they're teaching us. Tell us a little bit more about your film.
1: Yeah, so I, um, I was lucky enough to have grandparents that I was very close to, and in particular my Italian grandmother, who lived to be 103 and a half. And um, she came out to visit me for the first time in California. She lived in Florida when she was 96. And for the next four summers, she spent the month of August with me here in California, which if you know Florida weather, it was a good decision to be here, (laughs) but we would cook together. And um, I realized she never wrote a recipe down. And so I thought, well, if I wanna capture this, I really need to video her. And that was my first foray into video at all was capturing her, um, cooking. And I realized that that was her way of showing her love was through food. And, um, and it, we had a wonderful time putting together this little series that we called Cucina Nana. And I went back with her to Florida when she was turning 100 and she was still working out at the gym at that point. She didn't start working out till she was 80. So if anybody thinks they're too old to start something new, that's completely a false notion.
0: Um, awesome.
1: But I thought, well, I better film her working out because nobody's going to believe that at almost 100, she's still working out at the gym. And just as a throwaway comment, I said to her, Grandma, can you give me some words of wisdom? And she said things like be kind and live life to the limits. And I came back from that trip and I realized, you know, I was looking at approaching 50. I'm now 55. But at that point, I think it was in my mid 40s. And I thought, I want to pe- find other people out there like my grandmother, because as I'm aging, I want to find role models of what I can become. I, I want positive role models of aging. And so I put a call out to my friends, family and all the alum that I've taught over the years that I've been at Cal Poly, where I teach now. And I said, I have this idea for a project I didn't know it was going to be a film. But if, if you have somebody like my grandmother, here's a link to this little one minute clip of my grandmother at the gym please nominate them. And the heartwarming thing was I was just inundated by nominations. And I spent the next four years interviewing 40 people with a collective life experience of 3000 years. And what a wild and wonderful ride that was. And I always like to say that I have 40 new grandparents as a result of doing that project. And, um, and I put the film together called Lives Well Lived and it's, it premiered in um, 2017 at the Santa Barbara International Film Festival It had a theatrical release. It's been shown on AARP's Movies for Grown Ups, and we're going to be on PBS in May. So it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's a pretty nice ride.
0: That's fantastic. Just an idea, a passion. Again, the whole premise of why I like to share these backstories is because there's a spark. There's a passion. And deep within that is an intuition to follow a nudge or a hint. This is incredible.
1: Yeah. And I always say to my students, which I really firmly believe is that the more personal, the more universal the message is. So for me, this started as a very personal project, my love of my grandmother. Um, And I think because of that, the people that I interviewed were very open with me and telling their stories. And um, I, I think, you know, I wasn't doing it for money or for fame, or in fact, I'm like hardly in the film, except for where my grandmother, I'm interacting with my grandmother, but I purposely, kept myself out of the film because I really wanted to be about the people that I was interviewing and um, but everyone watches that film and can relate to it in some way and so again you know it's such a personal thing for me but it has this very universal message. Do you think there'd ever be a second part two? (laughs) Well I mean I would love to do that and I would uh, you know part of it is um, I funded it myself and so I'm looking at when it goes on PBS, hopefully some you know wonderful person will say, oh, we wanna fund you first an episodic series of this. But what we have been doing and what's really become my passion now has been using the catalyst to connect generations and to do intergenerational projects. Because like I said before, I was very lucky that I had my grandparents around and even my great grandmother. And I was exposed to elders. And one of the things that I learned when I was doing the research for the film is the last hundred years is the first time that we've looked to anyone other than our elders for advice. And I really feel the world is suffering as a result. And if we look at this pandemic, the CDC came out with something that said that, um, I believe it was eight out of the 10 people that are dying are 65 and older. So we are collectively losing this wisdom at a voracious rate. And um, so it's really become my mission to do intergenerational projects. So we've been doing things with high schools and. Universities where we show the film to students and elders, and then we connect them, we pair them up, recorder. They use the questions that I used during um, when I did the film to ha- have this bilateral conversation, and then they do this big rap party at the end. And just, you know, it's, I feel like I'm combating ageism one story and one connection at a time, because it's very hard to have any stereotypical beliefs if you know somebody from the other side of things. And so that's what we're trying to do in both directions, because there are elders that have certain stereotypical beliefs about young people. And so how do we combat them? We have them meet and and face up. And also um, during this pandemic, the two people that have faced the most loneliness are elders and and young people. And so to bring them together, we've been doing this even virtually, um, it's been really a remarkable experience.
0: It's true, we've got these bookends, opposite ends of the spectrum that are suffering. What a beautiful way. To connect create a community to enable them to heal and heal together Mm
1: -hmm. with
0: a certain level of understanding and mutual respect you know seek first to understand before being understood do you feel um that there was some divine inspiration or your creative dynamic part of your brain that made you really tap in to something unique that needed to be done how apart from that inspiration from coming back to see your grandmother working at it at the gym, <laughs> was there something of, of your upbringing maybe, um, your values that sparked the idea to grow?
1: I, you know, I think that I, I always see that I feel like my grandmother's, she passed away six weeks after she saw the film on the big screen. And oh. my mom says she lived long enough to, to be part of that. Um, there were 27 of the 40 people that I interviewed were there that night and it was just a wonderful night. But I still feel like in some ways she is my divine inspiration and, and I feel like she's pulling some strings from wherever she is. Um, and, and really, you know, her motto was always to be kind. And um, I feel like if I live my life thinking, what would my grandmother do in this situation, then I'm doing the right thing.
0: One, apart from your grandmother, and she sounds like an incredibly wonderful woman. You speak of her, I can almost channel her energy now. Seen her pumping the weights, the irons, and the teeth. <laughs> Tell us um, in, in making of the film, or even with some of the intergenerational connections that you have been able to create since the film, is there a story that stands out, a connection?
1: Well, I mean, I had uh, one of the people that I became very, very close to who just passed away about a month ago and not COVID related. He was 97, and that's um, Dr. Lou Tadone, or as he'd like to call himself, Lucky Louie. He was a pediatrician, the first pediatrician here in this town in San Luis Obispo, and um, he would uh, make fresh mozzarella for his daughter's deli every morning, and um, he did it up until a week before he passed away, and I would go and hang out with him and while he was making the mozzarellas, so and even after the pandemic started, I would just hang out outside his door with a mask on and, you know, chat with him while he was making the mozzies, as he called them, uh, usually once or twice a week. And um, you know, his uh, he had a phrase that um, he he often would say. I think his kids got tired of hearing it, but it's something that sticks with me, um, which is happiness is a state of mind. You can be happy with what you have or miserable with what you don't have. You decide. And you know, I like anyone else will wake up on the wrong side of the bed some days, and um, I think of him, and I think of all the people in the film. And I really do give myself an attitude adjustment. And it really is something that, I mean, doing the film has definitely changed my life so much for the better, because I think of all those people and I think of um, living in the moment more, uh, really taking the time to listen to people in a way that I don't think that I did before I did the film. I mean, you know, I took four years to interview all these people for the film. That's four years of putting your cell phone aside, putting everything else aside and really intently listening. And we don't do that very much. We don't listen very much. We tend to be thinking about the next thing we're gonna say or um, we're distracted. And what a gift it was to take those four years and to really listen to our elders and to put all the distractions away. And then of course, when you're editing, you're you're listening over and over again. So I really have, I have the whole film like completely in my memory. (laughs) and That has served me well during the pandemic. I'm not sure that I would have done as well um, attitude-wise, if I hadn't had that as a kind of the, the backbone of, of what I have um, to deal with at this moment.
0: An article in Circle, just this January, Circle is an online platform for sharing intergenerational stories. Uh, so they filmed, they interviewed you as your life as a filmmaker and a director. How, I'm more curious, how did Circle find you to do the article?
1: Well, I think, you know, it's interesting, but um, when you're working in this community that's dealing with intergenerational projects, it's a, it's a kind of a, a group of people that find each other. I think because we are doing such common work, um, you know, common, we have a common ground in terms of the work that we're doing. And um, so I think that they found me through another organization called Encore.org, which I've done some screenings with and have worked with as well. And they also deal with uh, intergenerational connections, and um, really um, highly value that, and and have a whole separate entity called Gen to Gen, which is all about connecting generations. And so they've done a couple of articles on what the work that I've done, not just for Lives Well Lived, but I also did a film called Forever Voters about the League of Women Voters going into high schools and trying to educate students on why it's important to vote and to try and get them to register to vote. So, my projects continue even after Lives Will Live to have that intergenerational um, twist and, and component to them. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what a great, great platform that both with your intergenerational project that has been born out of the movie, out of your film, and also with what Circle does is to bridge that gap.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the youngest age group that you've worked with? Uh, high school students. Yes. But, you and... know, I mean, I, I've talked to several people who, it's not uncommon in elementary school for on the hundredth day for students to dress up like a hundred year old. And it's so unfortunate because the it's well-intentioned, but it usually you see people in canes, you see people and, you know, I mean, it's like the stereotypical look of what a hundred year old, what, what the stereotype is for a hundred year old. And uh, my goal is to change that and to change what we even in elementary school, to change, how are we depicting that? And can we look at what does a hundred year old look like? Because my grandmother was not one of those hundred year olds. And I think that we need to change our mindset. You know I mean one of the things that would really drive me crazy is the few times that my grandmother was in the hospital, um, I can remember one time in particular, and, uh, and my grandmother was totally with it, but the doctor saw me and started talking to me instead of my grandmother. And I just turned to him and I said, she is the patient, not me, you need to be talking to her. And so I think we make these assumptions based on a number rather than based on knowing the person. And she ultimately end up, ended up firing that doctor who was shocked. He said, well, you can't do that. She said, yes, I can. I just did. (laughs) And, you know, I think that that was great because maybe you learned something from that experience that you don't treat people a certain way just because you look at a number on a piece of paper, you need to know who they are and meet them and talk to them. And yes, there are some people that are, you know, uh, older that might have dementia or might have some problems, but you don't even know, don't make that assumption, you know, at least get to know that person and talk to them Mm 1st
0: I had the fortunate opportunity to work with a company that restores vintage aircraft mm-hmm. um, of World War II era. And it became the hangar where the aircraft were being restored. We had spitfires and hurricanes. Wow. Just, it, it became this, this sanctuary, this safe place for our veterans, mm-hmm. our Air Force veterans to come. The experience brought them back. To reminisce about a time and a place, for some beautiful, for others very horrific. And it released so much tension. Um, there was laughter, there was tears, but the stories that, that came out that are not captured in the history books. Um, and, and that's why films, um, filmmaking is so important to capture those, those moments and the research that goes into it. Again, as I've been saying uh, when we started this podcast, that the storytelling, the emotion that's tied to the story, as opposed to some of the data, is what will stick. I want to go back to the high school students, though. Sure. Uh, They're at such a tender age right now. My daughter is in her final year, like grade 12. Uh, Last year, she was in an amazing program with one of our schools, and it was an outdoor program. They were going to have opportunities to hike and kayak and live outdoors. It's called Explore, and... Then the COVID hit and it was right at the start of our spring break and weren't too sure if we were going back. But the decision, of course, was made that schools would be on a temporary closure from in-class instruction. So she lost the opportunity to get out and explore, but more so she lost the connection with a new group of friends that she realized were her tribe. She had a, a really dear, endearing connection with many of the the kids, because they all had the same ambition to be outdoorsy, but also to make an impact on the, on the uh, environment.
1: Mm-hmm. Because there's
0: a lot of uh, environmental sustainability component to this course. So now she's back in uh, classroom instruction again, the Explore program opportunity has come and gone. And she is feeling a lot of the stress, the social emotional connection that has been severed. And we don't have that experience to share with them. This is how you get through it. This is what you can do. In our household, mindfulness, yoga, (laughs) a lot of emphasis on the breathing and centering yourself and finding yourself, observing yourself and how you are within a given moment has been very helpful, but it's not entirely the solution, just helps get through day to day. So the high school kids that you have come across, are they experiencing the same thing and how has the intergenerational experience may have helped them address some of those social emotional anxieties they're facing?
1: Um, that's a good question. I don't know necessarily like on a one-to-one basis, but what I can tell you is um, I, I actually had a teacher, a high school teacher in, um, who teaches in Egypt, who teaches an American school there And she worked with this intergenerational component and then had her students actually do YouTube videos so that I could hear what their experiences were like and what they learned. And I think the biggest takeaway was, especially from seeing the film, because all the people in the film have something that they've gone through, some hardship that they've gone through. And I think the resiliency... And that you, you see somebody else who's gone through that and you realize, oh, wow, I can make it through this. You know, we, we are not in the middle of a war. We, yes, it is a terrible thing, the pandemic is terrible, but there are ways, you know, we have Zoom, there are ways that we can communicate. Um, so I think that that is a big, um, a big help to them to see what other people have lived through and that, yes, we can live through this as well. And I think then to connect with an elder who can, again, give that firsthand account really uh, is valuable because I think that it, you know again, it goes both ways. And so um, I think that that's been a really valuable experience for those high school students and the college students too. I mean, they're all, they're pretty close in age. They all have those same dreams and aspirations that part of going to school is about these connections that they're making with other people and that's lost. And I'm teaching on a Zoom class, so I know what it's like to be an instructor and have 30 faces looking at me and feel like, wow, this is not the same as being in class where we would you know have these connections. And I do as much as I can to do breakout rooms and to try and make it feel as much as it can like we're having some connection to other people. I think that that's the biggest thing. And I'll tell you one of the things that all the people in the film had in common um, and why they were kind of the happy people who were aging was because they all had a good sense of community. And mm-hmm. um, I think that, that whether it was friends or family, it didn't necessarily have to be family. It could be friends. And I mean, one of the most heartwarming things um, that came out of this pandemic was my friends who were in the film, Mary and Paul. Um, Paul was 90. His wife was turning 90. And he decided to have a surprise Zoom birthday party for her. And so there are ways, even in the midst of this um, pandemic to still make some of those connections happen. No, it's not the same as being in person, but I think to make sure that we still have that feeling like, you know, I'm still doing online yoga classes. So I see yeah. other people. So, you know, those things I think are really important. So you don't feel isolated and you don't feel as alone because studies have shown that if you feel connected to other people, That is actually more important in terms of your indication of what your health is going to be like than almost anything else. So you need to make sure that you keep those connections alive, even if we have to, won't change the format and it's virtual like this, at least knowing that there are other people out there at the other end of the virtual screen or the other end of the phone. Um, I know, I know myself personally, I find that there are a group of people that I make sure I call on a pretty regular basis just to check in with them. They were people that maybe I hadn't, I didn't talk to on a regular basis before the pandemic, but for whatever reason, to keep that kind of community going, I feel like that's an important thing to do.
0: Yeah, so true. I mean, look at our relationship. It's mm-hmm. all because of Zoom.
1: Right, and we've never actually met in person. I but you know, I feel like I know you pretty well, and you, you know, I mean, vice versa. And I think that it's, um, you know, again, being, uh, thinking about this, in terms of opportunities and how we can change our, and reframe the way we're thinking of things. So, I mean, I, my heart goes out to all those, you know, students that have not been able to be together because I know that that's like a vital part of of the growing up process and of the socialization process. But I do think it's, there are ways to still make some connections happen and to keep those connections happen. It just takes a little more work.
0: We have the luxury, as long as we embrace it and look at it, reframe it and look at it as, that opportunity you speak of. And it, I think that's one of the reasons why we connected so well is because we share common passions, the storytelling for sure, and the yoga.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so let's talk about that. How has the yoga, your practice, and even maybe the teacher training that you did um, a few years ago helped you Helped you endure personal yeah, well, and professionally?
1: So I have to say, my mom was the one that introduced both my brother and I to a Bikram yoga class. And that was over 30 years ago. So I've been doing Bikram yoga for over 30 years. Um, She would not leave us alone until we finally went to a class with her and my brother couldn't make it through the class and I was totally hooked. And um, so I really, I mean, for me personally, it's been the thing that has kept me grounded my whole life and has, if I don't do it, I feel the difference in terms of feeling like my mind is elsewhere. Um, I think it has to do with a conscious breathing, uh, also, there is something really important about, my days are super filled, but there is something very important about carving out the time for myself. And I think that that's also a, a big component, is that um, that time is sacred for me, and that is the time that I devote to myself and I turn off everything else. You know, it's just like working on the film and giving myself that gift of turning off everything else and really just being able to hyper-focus. And so uh, they... The yoga has just, it's um, the best medicine that you could ever have, you know? That's the way I think about it. When I, I always say, when in doubt, just do yoga, you know? That's my motto. Like, I'm never gonna feel bad after a yoga class, I'm always gonna feel better, I know that. So even if I have to drag myself to do the yoga class, I know that at the end of that practice, I'm still gonna feel, I'm gonna feel infinitely better. And it's partly just getting back into my body, breathing, letting everything else go, the things that you think are important. You know, in, the, in the end, I think this pandemic has also shown me that all these things that we think we have to do, there's actually very few have tos. And you realize really ultimately what's important. And I think number one is taking care of your mental health and your physical being. And I think <laughs> that, that yoga uh, really for me has defined that.
0: So what's on your plate? What's your next endeavor?
1: Well, um, you know, right now I'm just trying to get through the PBS broadcast of the film and what that entails and trying to get the word out about that and doing more of these intergenerational um, connections and projects and really pushing that into a um, bigger arena. Um, I also, when the pandemic is over and I can start filming again, um, another short film that I worked on was called Mochisuki. And it was all about the tradition of making mochi, the week between Christmas and New Year's, the Japanese tradition of doing that to bring in the new year. And I realized that that's probably, it's been on the film festival circuit as has the other film that I talked about, Forever Voters this past year. And I realized that that's probably the beginning of another feature film where I look at different generate different cultures and how they um, bring together generations through food because I think that's also where the stories are passed along as you're cooking and making things. And just, I love, again, that intergenerational connection. And I know for me, that was such an important thing with my grandmother and cooking with her in the kitchen was really where all the stories came out and really where I learned her wisdom was by being by her side as we made pasta or cook whatever we were cooking, you know, doing that together. And having that time together was really a precious, sacred time. And so, um, you know, that's that's probably the next um, big feature feature film that I'll be working on.
0: Oh wow, incredible!
1: Yeah. So, but you know, I I also am giving myself permission to during the pandemic not do that and just do some research and be like, it's okay that I'm not doing that, and it's okay that instead I'm focusing on how can I use the lives well of the film to connect generations. And I think it's really good to be able to. Give yourself permission to pivot depending on what the circumstances are that are happening around you and to not beat yourself up because you can't achieve this goal that you set up for yourself um just because the world changes i mean you know pivot and change your goals and change what how you're thinking and um allow for that flexibility you know my grandmother used to have this line that she would say um man plans and god laughs and there's something to be said for that you know we can do the best planning and then there are some things that we just can't control. And this pandemic has certainly shown that for all of us um, in a global way, what that, what that phrase means. Yes, it has been. It's been a year
0: of doing that for me as mm-hmm. well. That's why this podcast came to be, because I, I gave myself permission to pivot just a little bit and explore a passion in a new, new way, a new opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's wonderful. We are at that time in the podcast where we do flashcards, where I read out a word to you, and you just give me whatever comes to mind, any response, prepared or unprepared, and then we'll leave the very last question to one of my favorite topics of all time. So let's begin. Are you ready?
1: Yeah.
0: First word, intuition.
1: Mm, Follow it. (laughs) Follow your intuition. (laughs)
0: Like it. Motivation.
1: Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I would say, you know, look beyond the norm for where you find your motivation in life and you'll be surprised at where that comes from.
0: Yeah. Very good. Resilience.
1: Mm. That's a word we're all dealing with right now. Resilience. How do we overcome things that we hadn't planned for um, by being resilient and by willing be, being willing to, look at um a a challenge and reframe it and make it an opportunity
0: so true i see a theme here opportunity that should be the name of perhaps another film that you make opportunity
1: you never know (laughs) you never know
0: next word vulnerability
1: Mm. um well you know what i've learned in this last year is that it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to let people know when you're f- feeling vulnerable and um people respond to that and that was something that i really learned in this last year is like you know telling people what's going on for you at that moment and i think that takes a great deal of courage and vulnerability to say you need help or that um something is happening in your life and you're just not feeling well and i i have done that more with my friends than i have ever done that and we have had some of the deepest Most wonderful, meaningful conversations that we've ever had, because I think that we all have have opened ourselves up to being a little more vulnerable.
0: Mm. So true, yeah. I love that you say people respond to that. It's like a a shedding of our old skin, a shedding of the ego skin. Yeah, to be still, permission to pivot, and to be vulnerable. I honestly believe there's some of the beautiful blessings that have actually come out of covid
1: that's true i mean it's not been great for everyone you know but it's um but i think that that it has has definitely changed a lot of people's attitudes so um i think that that is one of the one of the positives that's come out of all this for sure Mm -hmm. yeah
0: let's talk about books Mm -hmm. i
1: always ask this of everybody
0: because i just love to talk about Books and there are so many great ones out there. Yes. So what is your favorite read? Did you get a chance to read in 2020 or maybe a favorite book of all time?
1: Oh, I did get a chance to read in 2020. I read a lot of books about aging and active aging, but I have to say that one of my favorite is a book by John Leland um, called Happiness is a Choice You Make, Lessons from a Year Among the Oldest Old. He is a New York Times reporter and I think it was back in 2015, he spent a year interviewing six people in New York that were 85 and older, We're kindred spirits in that way. We were both doing similar things without knowing it. Um, and his book is really, it's, it's quite wonderful. So if you, if you get a chance to read that, it's definitely worth the time to read that.
0: Okay, I will be pushing that one out. Mm-hmm. John Leland, happiness is a choice you make. Aha. And as we're sitting here, I've just Googled it and I see the book right now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna check that one out. And we'll get a nice little shout-out for that book.
1: Absolutely. Wonderful. Mm-hmm.
0: Sky, I could let I could talk with you for hours, but you're a busy busy woman, filmmaker who is doing all kinds of interesting things. Probably have a yoga class lined up for later today, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. I feel inspired to get back on and get a membership just so I can share a class with you.
1: That would be fun. Yeah.
0: I am so honored and thrilled and pleased that you said yes to this podcast.
1: Oh, I'm honored that you asked me. Thank you.
0: Oh, well, from one storyteller to another, I I resonate with your vibration. And I felt this calling. I needed to act on my t- intuition. And I was motivated. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for sharing with us your journey through 2020 and your journey over the last several years becoming uh, quite the filmmaker. So the film is called Lives Well-Lived, and it will air on PBS beginning in May. Beautiful stories. 3,000 years compiled between 40 seniors. That's unbelievable. Good for you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your next film, whatever the topic might be. It'll be incredible.
1: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time.
0: Sky is a champion of intergenerational relationships that help nourish the spirit, while at the same time preserving the legacy of our elders' wisdom, customs, traditions, and good old-fashioned wise advice for the younger generations to benefit from. And social science research reveals that social engagement is a significant component to healthy aging and great medicine for combating loneliness, and more so now with the increasing isolation imposed by the pandemic. It is evident that Sky is passionate about bringing the gap between generations together by opening up opportunities to connect and have meaningful conversations with someone you know little about, but can learn so much from. When all ages come together, we all benefit, and yet we see so little of these experiences in our societies today, and that was before the pandemic. The COVID-19 restrictions indeed have furthered the divide, limiting opportunities for up-close and personal contact. But our digital era is an opportunity to embrace. While physical closeness is limited, if not outright prohibited in certain regions around the world, meaningful interaction through the digital medium, such as Zoom and FaceTime and Skype, or just a simple phone call, are ways we can keep the social relationships alive and well. Enabling the opportunities for intergenerational connection, which was born from her film, Lives Well Lived, Sky Bergman has been able to partner together young with old. She has successfully integrated the philosophy of her documentary into high school and college curricula across the United States with maybe the possibility of expanding elsewhere. To learn more about the film or to purchase the DVD, visit lives-well-lived.com. And in this podcast, we talked about Skye's favorite book, which is very much along the same lines of the work that she has done. Happiness is a Choice You Make by John Leland. And similar to the premise of Sky's film, Leland weaves together stories of New Yorkers aged 85 and up to share wisdom and advice on what it takes to live life well by those who have mastered it. You can find his book on Goodreads, Amazon, or download it on Audible. Unfax is a podcast by MGG Communications, Inc., A public relations company that focuses on building a brand strategy by first tapping into the individual's backstory. By embracing one's authenticity, entrepreneurs can make deeper connections with their target market and grow their brand reach simply by being real, relevant, and relatable. At MGG Inc., our business is telling your business.